Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We are so honored that you took the time to be here. We believe that you're in the right place at the right time, and this message is going to be something that you need to hear. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, here it is. Philemon chapter 1 verse 15 says this. Everyone listen real closely. It says, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was so that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than as a slave, as a dear brother. It's going to make more sense as we go along. I want to speak this morning from the subject of hidden blessings. Hidden blessings. Come on, let's clap our hands for the worship. You guys may be seated. If you guys uh, were with us last week, I told a story, and I want to encourage you, if you guys were not here last week, you got to get on SoundCloud, you got to get on YouTube, our podcast, check out last week, Vision Saturday, you got to know where we're going for this next year. But uh, I shared last week, uh, I said that last week uh, I told the story of how we were painting our twins' nursery. Um, For those who are unaware, my wife is pregnant with twins, so the twins are not quite there yet. Thank you. God is good all the time. Um, so last week I told you we were painting the nursery. Um, last Friday night, uh, Christy and I decided that we were going to put um, cribs. We were going to build the cribs that we had for our nursery. Now this sounds all a beaut and, and, and cute and, and beautiful and cute and, and just, it sounds good. <laughs> all those words like, oh, they're filling the nursery. Uh, it would have been cute except for one little thing. Um, we bought our cribs from Ikea. <laughs> Anyone ever built something from Ikea before? And so, like, I'm a pastor, and so I buy a lot of my stuff from Ikea because it's affordable. Come on, somebody. Amen. But this, this crib, with this crib, uh, I'd experienced something I've never experienced before in all of my Ikea buildings. You see, for this crib, it was, it's a wooden crib, and so basically you had to screw it together. It seems really simple, and it would have been simple if all you had to do was screw it together. But this crib had this very special piece that I have never seen before. It was something called a barrel nut. Have you guys, anyone seen this before? What I found was that Satan himself invented the barrel nut. (laughs) And so basically how it works is like you have to screw in from one side, the screw, and then in the other piece of wood you're trying to attach, there's a hole in it, and in that hole you stick in the barrel nut. And the screw has to attach and connect into the barrel nut. And it sounds really simple, just there's only a couple of problems. Number one, Ikea doesn't give you real screws. They're always like Allen key screws. You guys know what those are? So those are the ones, instead of a screwdriver, you have that stupid little piece. And so you're like cranking it around. And uh, so literally, for this barrel nut, unless that thing went in there absolutely perfect, it just wouldn't catch. And so this stupid little Allen key, and it only goes like half a millimeter into the top of this screw. And so literally we're screwing this thing and then without fail, every three seconds, the Allen key just goes flying. Like it catches momentum and like it almost took out Christy's eyes like 14 times. And it was just, it was super, super frustrating. And I've realized something about myself. <laughs> she said, you're not a handyman. I've, I've known for a long time I'm not a handyman. 
Uh, but what I realized is that there's nothing in life that makes me more angry than trying to build something and it not working out the way that I wanted it to work out. That makes me more angry than anything. And so literally as we're building these things, I am so mad. I haven't got that mad until last week when we put the blinds up in the twins' room. I'll, I'll tell you that story a different day. But I'm so mad, and I'm just angry at life. And Christy, she's there in that moment. I'm not mad at her, but she's a part of my life, and I'm angry at life right now. Because this thing's just not working out. And <laughs> it was last it was last Friday, and so I told Christy, uh, we finally finished the first crib, and I said, we're not going to be able to build the second crib tonight because uh, I'm preaching tomorrow, and right now Satan is taking over my heart because I'm just so mad. And so we're going to have to build this second crib another time, and we'll just wait off. And it was funny, though, because as I was building that crib, I realized something. And, and I think in that moment, I actually got my very first parenting lesson. And uh, you parents can, can let me know. Um, but in the past, like, I've built things. And usually, like, when I build things, like, I never really like it, but there's always a satisfaction, like, when I get to just enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you build it, maybe it's like a cup, you get to sit on it, or you get to put, like, your books on it. But what I, what I realized as I was building this crib was that I was building something for these, these, these kids to come, and they're never going to even know all the work that I put into this thing. <laughs> and I just, they're never going to know that this crib literally almost cost them their parents' marriage. Like, they're not... They're not going to know all the trouble that I went through to build this stinking thing. And in that moment, I got my first parenting lesson. <laughs> parents, you know what it's like. As parents, your kids, they'll never even be able to comprehend half of the things that they do for you, that you do for them. And, and it is so weird because some, some of you guys, if you're parents, let me know if your kids have ever said this. Maybe your, your kids have said something like, you've never done anything for me. <laughs> Any of you guys, as kids ever say that? Like, you guys have never done anything for me. And I pray my kids never say that. So I'm going to tell them, go listen to this message, and I'll tell you how hard I worked to build that stinking crib. <laughs> but they'll never even begin to see it. And, and so I got my first parenting lesson that a lot of the things that we do for our children, they'll never even know. They'll never even be able to comprehend it. You see, I want to I take us somewhere this morning, because I think for a lot of us, when it comes to our relationship with God, anyone ever been to a place with God but you're like, God, I don't think you're doing anything in my life. Come on, we can be honest. We've all been there. Yeah. God, I don't think you're working in my life like you're working. In, I just, I don't see you, God. I'm not sure you're doing anything. But here's the thing that I want us to understand and kind of the point I want to bring out this morning. Just because you can't see something, it doesn't mean that God isn't doing something. I'm going to say that again because no one made any noise. Just because we can't see something, just because we can't see God doing something, it doesn't mean he's not doing anything. Is anyone following this morning? You see, what's so interesting and really why I wanted to start with this illustration is because what the Bible lets us know is that God is our father in heaven. That's the, that's the metaphor that the Bible uses over and over again. It's a rich metaphor. God is our father. We are his children. And, and it's amazing to think because it's almost, in a sense, this idea that God is our Father, it's almost oxymoronic in a sense. Because God connotates something that is large, something that is big, something that is like out of our comprehension, while Father is something that is intimate, is close. It's right there. The Bible lets us know that God is our Father. But what that means, if God is our Father and we are His children, a lot of times we are going to relate to God in the same way that earthly kids relate to their parents. And what that means is we're not always going to see the bigger picture. 
we're not going to see all of the things that God does for us. I love how, how Jesus, in, in the book of Matthew chapter 7, he puts it like this. He says, if you then, he's speaking to a crowd, he says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So Jesus is breaking a point down to these people. He's like, you guys, you know, you as parents, he's like, at the end of the day, you guys are messed up. He uses the word evil. He's like, but even messed up humans know how to give good gifts to their kids. And he says, if God is your father in heaven, how much more does he want to give you? How much more does he want to give you? Because God has that fatherly love for us, that parental love for us. And so what happens in our lives, though, is a lot of us get caught in frustration because we don't see what God is doing. We can't see it, much like they'll never be able to see all the work that I put in. A lot of times, what God does in our lives, we don't always see it. And so sometimes, get this, this is the point I want to make. Sometimes the biggest things that God will ever do in our life, lives are actually hidden blessings. They're things that we won't see. You guys are all real quiet this morning. It's a hidden blessing. You see, where I want us to go this morning, I want us to begin to ask ourselves this question. What if the gifts that God give us in our lives don't look like gifts to us? What if they're hidden blessings? That's where I want to go this morning. We're going to be in the book of Philemon chapter one. As I said earlier, there's only one chapter in Philemon. Um, but before we get anywhere in this story, before we read anything, we can hide the verse for a second, because um, I'm going to give us a bunch of background on what's happening. Philemon is written by a man named Paul. Uh, for those who have been with us for a while, you guys know Paul. Anyone heard of Paul before? Yeah. Paul wrote like over uh, two quarters of the New Testament, two thirds of the New Testament. And so Paul is writing a letter to Philemon. Paul knows Philemon. Now Philemon, he was a Christian that lived in a place called Colossia. And Philemon was a Christian there. And while he was in Colossia, he actually started a church in his house. He was the leader of a house church. Why is this important? Because Kingdom Church started in a house. Come on, somebody. Started from the basement. Now we here. And so Philemon, he started a church in his basement in a place called Colossia. And Paul is writing to this very Philemon. And the reason that Paul is writing to Philemon is because Philemon has a servant named Onesimus. Can you guys say Onesimus? Onesimus. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, no, I can't say that. Philemon, Philemon has a, a servant named Onesimus. Half of my study this week was literally just trying to pronounce all of these names for you guys. That was half my Bible study this week. And so Philemon has a servant named Onesimus, and Onesimus has left Colossia. He has ran away, and he ends up in Rome. And I'll, I'll get deeper into this in a second, but what you need to understand is that Rome and Colossia are not close to each other. It's a little bit of a trek. And so Onesimus runs away, and while he is in Rome, by chance, he meets Paul. And when he meets Paul in Rome, Paul and Onesimus form this relationship. They form this deep bond, and Paul almost takes a fatherly role in his life, and he introduces him to Jesus, and Jesus begins to change Onesimus' life. And it's this great and beautiful picture on one end. But I want us to start on the other end with Philemon. Because we need to understand Philemon's perspective. Because for him, when he lost this servant, this was a big loss. Now, some of you guys, I just need to quickly let you guys know, when, when, when I say servant or slave, it's not like uh, Civil War America style. It's not like that. It was different. It's more like, it's almost like a handyman or like a maid type thing. 
But when Philemon loses Onesimus, this was a big loss because for, for servants of a household, generally speaking, they were in charge of something. They had a role to play. Whether they worked the land or they, they worked the cattle, there was something that the servant was in charge of. And so when Philemon loses Onesimus, because Onesimus pieces out, he's like, see you later. It's a big deal. Everyone following? You see, when he left, in a sense, it's almost like he lost uh, part of his work. It's like for those of you guys who have a business, it's like your top employee just leaves. Yeah. Or maybe it's even more, it's kind of like losing a job in a sense. Anyone ever been there? This is where Philemon is. And so for Philemon, for Philemon, when Onesimus leaves, it's not like 2019. He can't track his phone. Like, I'm going to just check where he is on my iPhone right now. He's gone. Like, Onesimus is not posting on Instagram. When he leaves Colossia, he is gone, and Philemon is no doubt thinking, I've lost him forever. But Philemon doesn't know what's happening in Rome. Because in Rome, Onesimus has found Paul. And so now Paul is writing a letter back to Philemon. Everyone following? We're all on the same page? Yeah. So when Philemon gets this letter, he's getting a letter about a servant that he thinks is as good as dead. He's as good as gone. So can you imagine this shock when Paul writes him a letter? He's yeah. like, hey, I got something to tell you. You're not going to believe this. Verse 10, we pick it up. He says this. He says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now, someone say, but now? Yeah. He has become useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I got to break this down. Because I don't think you all have seen this. You see, Paul, this letter that he sends, he's literally saying, he's like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> you know that slave, the one you're really cheesed about? Like, I heard, I heard some things. He, he's with me. He, he's with me. And I love what he says. He says, well, he was with me. And, and literally the story, Paul is under house arrest. So how Onesimus found Paul in house arrest, we don't know. But while he's there, Paul becomes a spiritual father. And so Paul says something very important to let us know about the past of Onesimus. He says, formerly, he was useless to you. But now that you lost him, he's become useful both to you and to me. Now, this is something funny. This is a play on words. Because Onesimus in the original language actually means useful. So if you guys are looking for like a beautiful name for your next kid, Onesimus, what does it mean, dad? Useful. But Paul uses a play on words here because what he is saying, Onesimus, and this is what he's letting us know, Onesimus, when, when, he, when he was with Philemon, he never lived up to his name. He was there working in the household, but he never lived up to his potential. And so Paul says, I need you to know this because right now you're probably ticked off. You're probably cheesed. You might even be mourning. But I need you to know that when you lost him, that which was useless has now become useful. Yeah. He's finally living up to his name. And I'm going to send him back to you. I'll break that down further in a second. But here's the first point I want to make because we're breaking down this idea of hidden blessings. You see, for so many of us, we're praying prayers. Come on, anyone pray this prayer? Like, God, I need you to work this out in my life right now. I need you to resolve this issue right now. I've been praying. Philemon was praying. And God didn't answer the prayer. 
He didn't bring them back. Instead, he went far away to Rome. But here's what I want us to understand in our life right now, because some of us are facing big blocks in our life. It's a roadblock. It's like, God, why aren't you answering this prayer? But here's what happens in life sometimes. This is where the hidden blessing is. Oftentimes, blocks can actually be blessings. Blocks are actually blessings. Come on, you guys aren't loud enough. I've got to break this down a little bit. You see, this is why a lot of us, for so many of us, we're in situations, we're in seasons, and we're saying, how come God is not faithful in my life? How come I'm not feeling? How come I'm not seeing God in our life? Maybe the reason we're not seeing God is because we're expecting God to move in a way that's different than the way God wants to move. We want God to make a way, but sometimes God works through a block. Philemon wanted Paul, but you wanted Onesimus to come back, but God said, no. Sometimes, friends, God will use no's. Did you guys know that? Sometimes God will say no. You see, all of us have this idea. If God was good, if God was just, he would just answer my prayers. He would say yes. I went out into a field and I said, God, make yourself, make it rain. It didn't rain. God's not real. Sometimes God has to answer with a no. Because he needs you to know how he actually works. Sometimes blocks are a blessing. You see, so many of us are waiting for a yes, but sometimes what you need in your life is a no. I'll break it down like this. I heard an ad on the radio. It was, it was, I've heard it a few times, but I don't know what the company's called. Um, I, I, it doesn't matter, but um, all I can tell you is what the ad says. I didn't look them up. I didn't do any research. I'm just listening to the ad, and so I'm going to take them at face value. But the ad was for a mortgage company, and their slogan is that any person that applies for a mortgage will be approved. This is what the commercial says. It says, no background checks, no credit scores, everyone gets approved. You get a mortgage, you get a mortgage, you get a mortgage. Making it rain Oprah style. That's the ad. Like I said, I don't know what it's called. Some of you guys are like, Pastor, you got to tell me what that place is called. I'm not getting approved of that. But the, the thing, I was listening to this, to this ad, and this ad, it sounds so good, right? Yeah. Everyone gets approved. It's a yes for everyone. Forget credit scores. Forget background checks. Yeah. <laughs> this company must really love me because they're saying yes. Can I tell you something? If you can't afford to pay a mortgage, that yes will actually be a curse. Yeah. Yeah. That yes will actually be a curse. I, Lord, help me preach. You see, for so many of us, we're waiting for yeses in our lives. But what if God gave you that yes? You see, for some of us, that yes might actually be a curse. And so God needs to block you. I'm going to speak to someone because you're going to agree with me. For those of you guys, you're in a good relationship right now. I need you to go back. Remember that one relationship that you were praying to God about? God, just please bring them back. God, I need this to work out. Anyone been there? Come on. Anyone happy God didn't answer that prayer? Because you wouldn't be where you are now. You see, sometimes blocks are actually a blessing. And I need us to see this because if we can begin to understand this is how God works, we will have so much less frustration in our lives. Because sometimes God will say no right now to give us a bigger yes later. I got to say no to this prayer right now so I can say yes in the future. 
Right now, this no is going to look like it's a no, but it's actually, it's a hidden blessing. It's a hidden blessing. And for so many of us, we have a hard time distinguishing this. It's like, for a lot of us, I think when God works different, for a lot of us, we perceive different as nothing. I'll say it again. We perceive different as nothing. I heard a story about a father. And uh, this father works 12 hours a day, and he works six days a week. And uh, he just, he, he's worked his tail off. And, and he was, come on, you guys know some hard workers in your life. And uh, he worked so hard, but he said every single day after he worked, he would come home, and he would look at his kids running around, playing games, doing their thing. He would look at his wife, and he would say to himself, this is worth it. I know I work so hard, but it's worth it so they can have what they have. But what's funny is these kids, a little while later, as they got older, they confronted their dad. And they said to him, they said, Dad, you're a deadbeat. They said, you know, growing up, you were never around. You never came to our sporting events. You never came to our parent-teacher interviews. You were never there. And when the father heard this, he broke down in tears. Because he says, he says you don't understand. He says, the reason I was never around was so you could go to your sporting events. It was so that you could have this house. It was so you could have these clothes. You see, the kids perceived what the father was doing as being a deadbeat, but he was doing it for them. You see, for a lot of times, God is going to work in a way that is different than you and I would ever imagine. But just because we can't see it, just because we don't always understand it, it does not mean that God isn't doing what's best for us. And that's why I need to set the context of God being our father. Because if God is our father, and listen, I know some of us, maybe we have a bad picture of a father. Think of a perfect father. Think of that TV show you love with a perfect dad. <laughs> if God is our father, he wants what's best for us. He wants us to experience joy. And so if God is our father, what that means is a lot of times, the things that we perceive as him doing nothing is actually a hidden blessing. I can imagine Philemon praying, God, I started a church in my house. I'm doing your work. I, I, I love you. Why are you letting me go through this? But Philemon has a limited perspective. And so he gets this letter from Paul. And I love this next part. He says, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was so that you might have him back forever. I need someone to say amen. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave. As a dear brother, he is a very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. I love this part. He says, you don't understand. He had to be separated from you. You had to go through what you're going through right now, but it's just going to be for a little while is so you can experience something better forever. Sometimes blocks are a blessing. But look at this. I need us to see this next part, the first, the first part of this verse. I love what Paul says. Paul says, perhaps, the reason he was separated. He says, perhaps. Why is this important? I think it can be really easy in our lives to blame everything that happens on God. Right, like It would be ignorant for me to come up here and say, you know what? I think the Lord wanted your family member to die. 
there's a greater purpose to this. God wanted you to lose that relationship. God wanted you to lose that job. No, sometimes you lost that job because you're a bad worker. That, wa that wasn't God. So, so listen, I need to understand this. When I say that blocks are a blessing, I don't mean that every single thing that happens in your life is a block that God has put into your life. Sometimes God has to work through our own self-imposed blocks. Listen to this. It was not honoring for Onesimus to leave his servant, to leave his master. That was not an honoring thing. God was not happy when he left. But this is how God works. God will often work in the midst of our mess. God will meet us in our disobedience. Because here's the thing I want us to see. We serve the God of the turnaround. We serve the God of the turnaround. I need the band to come up here. We serve the God of the turnaround. It's, it's easy to say ignorant things. You know what? I think that God wants, God does not want us to go through things, but the beauty of what God is and who God is, is God can take what the enemy meant for evil. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Who is here in worship? God can take what the enemy meant for evil yeah. and turn it for. Good. He can take what the enemy meant and he can turn it for good. You see, what I've realized in my life, I'm just be honest. A lot of the biggest lessons that I've learned, a lot of how I see have God moved, it's, it's been my own mistakes. It's my own shortcomings. It's my own falls, it's my own failures. Onesimus left and that was wrong. But what I love about God is that God will meet us in the midst of our mess because we serve the God of the turnaround. We serve the God of the turnaround. Let's just stand for a second, because we're about to do something. I need us to see that we serve the God of the turnaround. I need us to believe that we serve the God of the turnaround. The biggest lessons in our lives, a lot of time, is things that were meant to crush us. It's things that were meant to end. Some of you guys are in a season right now, and that thing in your life, it looks like it's about to crush you. And so right now, as a church, with the voices, Mateos is going to lead us. We're just going to declare this. You take what the enemy for evil you turn it around can we declare that yeah. let's declare it you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good come on church raise your hands you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good You turn it for good. You turn it for good. Things that are not good, and he'll turn them around. At the start, what I told us was that Rome was nowhere near Colosseum. So how did Onesimus find Paul? How did he find him? When we believe that we serve the God of the turnaround, what that means is that God literally meets us in the middle of whatever we're in. God didn't like what Onesimus did. God didn't like a lot of the stuff that we're doing right now. I'm not saying God approves your messed up life, but I am gonna say God's gonna use it. God's gonna use your biggest mistakes. He's gonna use your biggest regrets because we serve the God of the turnaround. How did Onesimus find Paul? It's because God made a way where there was no way. 
He said, I don't want you to leave, but you're gone, so I'm going to work with it. I'm going to work with it. I need us to see this because I'm going to finish with the gospel. says this. He says, if you consider me as a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. There's a reason Paul has to say this. Onesimus, when he left, as a servant, if you run away by Roman law, your master has authority to put you to death. So Onesimus messed up. He has to go back to his master, and his master could say, you deserve death. But Paul right here, he acts in the same way that Jesus acts in our life. Look at this. He says, if he has done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Charge it to me. Come on, yeah, clap your hands. Listen to this, friends. Some of us right now, you're in a season and maybe you've done some things that you regret. Maybe you've made some mistakes. We serve the God of the turnaround, and here's the beauty. Because we serve the God of the turnaround, we also serve the God that said, I'm going to send my son. He's going to pay for your sins. And not only am I going to turn everything around, I'm going to give you new life. And so Paul says, if he owes you anything, charge it to me. How many guys know that God said the exact same thing when he sent Jesus? The Bible lets us know that we're a great accuser. And the accuser is there to put you on trial, to say, hey, guess what? They don't deserve grace. They don't deserve a second chance. They don't deserve it, but God, when he sent Jesus, Jesus said, charge it to me. Put it on my tab. That's the God that we serve. It's the God of the turnaround. It's the God that wants to give each and every one of us new life. That's who we serve. It's a hidden blessing. It's a hidden blessing is bowed, every eye is closed. We want to give people the opportunity to respond to Jesus. Our, our goal is not to call you out, it's not to embarrass you, it's just simply to give you the chance to respond. If right now you're saying to yourself, I, will, I, want, I want to follow that Jesus. I love that picture of Jesus. I want to give my life, if that's you, if you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, maybe it's for the first time, or for the hundredth time, we want to give you that chance. All we're going to do, I'm going to count down from three. And when I reach one, all you can do is show me your hand. And what you're saying is, Harrison, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to follow after him. I want to put behind my mistakes. I want to put behind my regrets. I want to serve the God of the turnaround. If that's you, I'm going to count down from three. In three, two, one, just show me your hand. Let's pray this prayer together. Everyone say, Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for choosing me. God, I give you my everything. I give you my wins. And I give you my sins. I pray this morning, God, you turn me around. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. Come on, let's sing one more time. Let's sing it out. 
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope that encouraged and inspired you. Hey, if you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. And if you've never been with us in person, we want to encourage you to plan a visit because we would love to connect with you. We can't wait to see you. We hope you have a great week. Take care.